Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be talking about the top four picks in this draft and if the Thunder can crack into any of those top four picks, making a trade up before or during draft day. Before I start talking about that, though, this is a very weird time in terms of Thunder Twitter because as I am recording this, there is kind of some weird stuff going on on Thunder Twitter where we had from Alex Roy, he is one of the members of the OKC Topic Thunder podcast. He tweeted out, don't be surprised if you hear the words Oklahoma City, Detroit, and a record number of picks in the same sentence on or before draft day. I'll just leave it at that. And then after that, you had Ryland Stiles. He's another pretty prominent figure in the OKC Thunder podcast realm. He does uh, Locked on Thunder. And he used to do this like Grinch emoji, which he uses all the time to signify um, something. So I'm going to assume there's some rumors that are kind of seeping out from other people. Now, always, whenever you have rumors, a lot of time it could just be some red herrings, kick up some uh, some discussions maybe. I don't know. I still think it's worth mentioning because as I kind of drew up all these different scenarios and whether or not I think the Thunder can trade up to said picks, I really didn't take into account any sort of rumors here. So I'm just going to go strictly based off of my opinion. So if you guys don't like any mock deals, just my opinion in general on one of these, make sure to tell me. You guys can find me at Ben Kreider on Twitter or you could just go straight to the pod at Thunderstick Pod. Also, you guys can go to at HoopPodNet for the rest of the Basketball Podcast Network. But yeah, I just want to jump right into the midst of things talking about the Detroit Pistons. Biggest winner from the draft lottery last month, and they pretty much have Cade Cunningham right at their disposal. They can pick him whenever. They can pick whoever they want. I mean, they're number one in a heavily stacked draft class, and with the praise that Cade Cunningham has received, I think we all know that is kind of the presumable pick like if they go out and take a Jalen Green or an Evan Mobley everyone's going to be shocked and this whole draft is going to get flipped upside down but regardless besides that number one pick they got pick 37 42 and 52 so they got three second rounders but the major one is pick number one in Oklahoma City they're going to want to have grasp on that currently we already know Thunder got six 16 and 18 and then in the second round they got pick 34 pick 36 and then they also have pick 55 to round things out so you got six out of the 60 picks that's 10 percent of the board but you can't just trade all those and you know get right up to number one it's Cade Cunningham and when you look at what would be at six you're not finding the Cade Cunninghams there's no surefire things uh you know surefire prospects once you get past I'd say like the top three and even at that, you know, you can still have some weak points in all those top three prospects. But with Cunningham, Jalen Green, and Evan Mobley, I think it's pretty obvious they have kind of separated themselves from guys like Jalen Suggs, Kuminga, and Scotty Barnes. So at six, you're looking at the the last guy remaining of probably Scotty Barnes and Jonathan Kuminga. And I think, you know, for what the Pistons have right now, they have Jeremy Grant, they have Seku, and they also have Sadiq Bey. Isaiah Stewart's more of that um, a five, you know, but I mean, I think they would want to focus on a guard um, regardless of what ends up happening here. So I think it'd be a bit awkward for them to fall that um, that down, that much down, five picks. 
especially when you're not going to be dicing in, you know, any, any guys of current value right now. Like the main thing and the main rumor that has been popping up or just mock deal has included Shea Gildas Alexander going to Detroit for this number one pick. And some people even have the audacity to put SGA and the sixth pick in these packages just to get number one. I can tell you right now, there's no reason you should be the one giving up pick number six. You're not moving up five spots and throwing in SGA as a filler here. You're giving up SGA and you're getting pick number one. You better be getting something else. Like SGA at 22 years old right now. I mean, he's got to be one of the top 10 guys under 25, right? Like you see all those lists go in and out. I genuinely think, I, I think right now that SGA clearly is above the mold because I think it was 87% of shots came unassisted for him. When it comes to driving in, he's one of the best right now. He does have a couple, you know, stints where he has hard times driving and dishing, but overall I'd say he's one of the top 10 guys in the league. And then he's working on that step back shot. So he's got all the inklings of a star at 6'6". You put him at point guard, shooting guard. We've seen SGA for the last two seasons. We know what we have in him. And to make a deal, especially when you use pick number six, for example, even without it, for Cade Cunningham, yeah, Cade Cunningham's a younger prospect. Cade Cunningham is also two inches taller. He's also seen as this like multi-positional, everlasting potential player. And to top things off, he's three years younger at 19. So I like to look at it almost as a lateral move. Um, yes, three years, that's a huge difference, but it's no guarantee anyone in this draft class is going to be better than Shea at 22. We know what we have in Shea. That is a rising star. If he's not already hit that title, I personally think he has. So I deem him as untouchable, kind of regardless. Um, and that makes it very, very difficult for any sort of deal. So, you know, with the rumors I've seen, seems like it would be a one, you know, a two-team deal. Actually, you never know, I guess. But, um, I mean, in a deal... I think that you'd almost want to have a third team. Like the example tossed around is this one, three, six package where the Cleveland Cavaliers go down to six and the Thunder go up to one, got the Pistons at three. The big little speed bump with that is a lot of it depends on the Houston Rockets at number two and the Pistons, the reports are they're very, very high on Jalen Green out of the G League Ignite team. And I am, I'm stoked. I'd love to have Jalen Green on the team. You know, when, if I saw Jalen Green on a jersey, in a Thunder jersey, I'd be damn near just as excited as if you had Kate Cunningham there, because I think they are both very, very good prospects in this draft class. But I think the Rockets would likely take him. So that's the big issue. If they took a Mobley, I say that's fair game. I think a three-team deal would make total sense, and you'd probably be able to riddle it off a little bit better than this here, where, you know, the Pistons would not be getting a surefire star, because you don't want to throw in SGA. So, I think it's tough. You can throw in all the first-round picks you want in the world. I mean, until 2027, the Thunder, they got 18 firsts and 18 second-round picks, and when you look at them, a lot of them had value. They have value. I mean, six, you got 16, you got 18. You can shuffle all those three off if you want to. I mean, that is a gigantic, gigantic haul. Pistons don't have any, you know, first round picks outside of number one. So I guess it makes sense. They've hit on Sadiq. They've hit on Isaiah Stewart. Troy Weaver knows this stuff in the middle of this draft class. And I mean, hell, I think as 
I've seen evaluating. I love the middle of the first round. I think a lot of people really enjoy the depth that this draft class has. But also looking beyond that, you pretty much control the Clippers' destiny for the next like five, six years. You have the Houston Rockets picks, but you get a two-year gap there. And you got a Philly pick, I think in 2025, that does have some intrigue, at least in my opinion. Just kind of wondering how, how they look in you know four years. It's only protected, I believe, one through four. Or excuse me, it's top six protected. So there's a little bit of wiggling there. But there's a lot of intriguing picks that you could toss in. And I mean, you're not going to be using all those picks. We're already at a point right now where I feel like this Thunder roster, you have a hole at center. No doubt about it. I don't know if you're bringing back Tony Bradley. You need one or two centers. And But the role players and the rotation players, you've kind of just brought on so many of these people on like non-guaranteed deals and you have six picks i don't think 55 has much value uh at all but with those five you can't really guarantee minutes for any of them currently so moves need to happen with those players picks need to get traded out so i don't see it as a major concern trading out a lot of these picks and a lot of the picks down the line in the future because if you're confident in the role players we have right now and you think them in the next three four years will still be in a thunder jersey competing at a high level you can keep them on you can trade those first because eventually you're gonna hit that stone wall where you got way too many young prospects and you know you got a lot of contracts you got to be dishing out can't really be operating with all those so if you want to offload a ton of first round picks which you know as alex said a record number um you could go for it i still think regardless though Cade Cunningham or really Jalen Green, just anyone at the top of this class, it could be like that untouchable where no matter what you throw their way, it's still going to get shut down because they have a lot of trust in this specific player. I think that it could have been a smokescreen when they showed interest in Jalen Green. Evan Mobley was brought up in the conversation. I don't think that's ever been serious with them. But yeah, I mean, when I look at that, and Kay Cunningham and what he could do for that Pistons roster. I mean, you bring him in, he's not only going to be getting you some tickets, but he's going to lay that foundation out where you already have a couple of solid players fizzled in right now with the Bays, with the Sorts. I can go on there. Even a Killian Hayes who needs some growth. You know, that can be a tandem maybe. And even Jeremy Grant too. I, I don't know. Like, they could sacrifice that. They could bet on this pick six. They could bet on controlling not just the thunder's picks but everybody's picks in the next five years because the thunder have a lot of picks under their boat right now troy weaver could make that play and it either backfire like crazy on one end or the other if Cade doesn't work out the thunder look like some clowns but you get sga you get Cade. if you don't need to offload sga i mean i still consider that kind of a win here because I mean, they um, they need a sidekick next to SGA. If you cannot find that in the next couple years, it will be an issue. So I think Cade would be fine there. But um, I mean, in my in my personal opinion, I think a deal between the Pistons and the Thunder would be extremely difficult to operate just based off of the situation because it's all up to Troy. You know, you can give him everything in the world, like I said, and he could still shut it down because he loves Cunningham. You got to first figure out where Troy Weaver's mindset is at because he likes kind of digging for those gyms. We've seen it with Westbrook before. We've seen it with guys like Serge Ibaka. 
he was one of the main orchestrators as to why the Thunder were even in the 2012 finals, even in this like dynasty mode for years and years and years to come. Not even those guys I listed, like a Reggie Jackson, a Steven Adams, those kinds of people he had an instrumental part in. So maybe he does enjoy that kind of, um, of drafting and maybe he doesn't see what everybody else sees in Cade Cunningham and he wants to take more darts. I'd understand it. He'd have a lot of ammunition to work with. And, um, I mean, yeah, it just comes down to where, where he, uh, where he reads things. But me personally, I think it's kind of one of those dream scenarios where a lot of things need to go right. And that's, that's about all I can say, because it really just comes down to the piston side, because the Thunder definitely have the most future assets if they want to continue this rebuild for the long run. Moving on, though, we got the Houston Rockets, and they got picks 2, 23, and 24. Nothing in the second round, but those two late seconds are going to be very beneficial to them. And we already know the deal with the Houston Rockets, right? Like, us us and them have kind of been sort of enemies, whether you want to talk about it or not. There's been some clashing in between the two, really ever since this James Harden deal, where Harden goes over there in the playoffs, you got Patrick Beverly slamming into, you know, Russell Westbrook, so you had that connection for a long time between Bev and, and Westbrook and whatnot, but yeah, even like the 2017 playoff series, which was ridiculous, uh, and then now, I mean, you got that Westbrook deal, the Thunder, they had this little lottery opportunity to get one and five, get six and 18. Rockets got two, and now they got a lot of bragging rights. They're, you know, if you go on Twitter, you already know the Rockets. Some of those fans, they are letting Thunder fans know that they don't have any assets. Those people who say that are very dumb, but that's for another time, man. Anyways, I mean, Houston, they're not in the worst position now because they got the second pick, but also they have their own picks for the next two seasons. So there's this two-year bridge where they don't need to worry about the Thunder snagging their picks. Swap or just straight up in the draft. Don't worry about it. It's going to pick back up in 2024. In 2024 and 2026, you have protections on the picks. Thunder can still take them. And in 2025, you have a pick swap uh, at hand there. But they have the cushion. And they have a three-year kind of window where they can build upon their current structure and the picks in 2024 and beyond simply aren't going to be that devastating to them. And maybe they'll be able to get people in the free agency market to kind of combat uh, the assets that they'd be moving on from. But I think for them to move to two to six, it's just like the Pistons where that's dramatic. And it's dramatic regardless of draft class, uh, especially in this one, though, where as I mentioned, there's kind of different groups that are forming in the draft class. And yeah, I mean, if you're going from two to six, you're going from the chance of Jalen Green and Evan Mobley to now Scotty Barnes and Jonathan Kamingo, where I don't really think that would benefit them that much for the future. I think, you know, they would kind of just be chilling. They need to get a star. They need to go for this big home run. If it doesn't work out next year, they're going to have their pick year after that they got their pick so they have three major swings until the thunder come back into play for them so i think there's still going to be some nemesis type uh type of a relationship between the two for right now and 
I look at what the Houston Rockets currently have. I think they have a decent group of players. I mean, they have Kevin Porter Jr. Came in practically for nothing, and he's been a really good firecracker for them. He can put up 20, 25 points whenever, even get the assists and the rebounds. Have Christian Wood, who's still underrated. He has the attention now, but still a little bit underrated. He's a great player. And then you got Kenyon Martin Jr., steal from last year. And you got Jay Sean Tate, who is a bit on the older side. I don't know how he works in the long term, but he's a decent defensive guy that they can have at the three and four. So there's little splotches of what they can work with. And this draft will be huge, not just because that second pick, but the two late first they have it uh, at their hands. So, I mean, they need to just be going after the the high ceilings, the JT Thors, the Zaire Williams is in the late. But at the front, I couldn't imagine them not going with Jalen Green. Like, I, I see that situation, and the only real question is Jalen Suggs is the better playmaker there, and Kevin Porter Jr. loves to shoot the basketball. Jalen Green is a high-output kind of shooting guy as well, so would that pairing be a little bit of a mismatch? I don't know. Maybe a Jalen Suggs-KPJ deal would be a little bit more harmonious, but I still like Jalen Green there. And I think that's just how it would go. So the Thunder, they still have the assets. They can give you pick six. They can give you, hell, they can give you some of the picks beyond that in this year's draft class. But they also can say, hey, you can have your future back. You don't have to worry about 2024 through 2026. It's all yours again. Even with that, though, I still think the Rockets are in a very good position right now to where... Yeah, the Thunder can dangle all those picks in front of their faces, but it's not going to matter to them. They're just going to go for the next three years like it doesn't matter. It, it does not matter for them, truthfully. They'll take a guy like a Jalen Green. They'll take those heavy hitters in the late second or the late first. And then the next two years, they're going to repeat the same exact thing, and they're going to have a decent core in the next three. So for them, I think a move like this would probably hurt them in the long run where... I think right now they have all the momentum kind of carrying right now. They make a move down to six. They get the picks back. That's fine. But then they're stuck in no man's land where they'll pick up a small forward in Barnes or Kuminga, but they're going to be on the hunt for that next point guard, that next leader next to KPJ. And we already know how the lottery goes. It's no surefire deal here. So they could just be caught in a world of nothingness. I think right now this is the only time they got some form of certainty i don't really believe the rockets would want to deal with the oklahoma city thunder you guys think so guys uh you guys could tell me maybe what you think a potential deal would be i just can't really imagine it at number three though you do have the cleveland cavaliers and this is the team that immediately after the lottery I chalked them up as probably the most likely trade destination in the top four and I still kind of agree with that because the Cleveland Cavaliers, yeah, I mean, they're not doing that good. Like, ever since LeBron left, they're kind of in the bottom tier of the league, but they keep getting assets, really young assets, and really good assets to where I think they're finally trending upwards, and this is a very, very pivotal offseason for them, not just in getting more players, but also setting up the future for some of their later on contract extensions and the Cavs at three 
look, let's not downplay this. They can still have a very good player in Jalen Green or Evan Mobley. I'm going to say probably Mobley would be there. And I don't know, that might make a deal a little bit more difficult. But hypothetically, let's just say whatever. They have a strong liking for Barnes and Kaminga. Like them both. Anyways, though, when you look at the roster construction of the Cavs, they have the two guards. They got Sexland and Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. At the three, they got Isaac Okoro. They picked him fifth in last year's draft class. And while he's not the best shooter, he's very good defensively. He can switch anywhere on the court. And he's looked like a very good playmaker and finisher around the basket. Top things off, they got Jared Allen out of the um, that like mega James Harden deal forgot what even the Cavs had to do there they just kind of sat there took Jared Allen away and it looks like they did a they did a very good job in doing so because yeah Jared Allen's a double double machine for them and I mean he's going to be a future five for them if they choose to extend him the one real glaring hole though is that four spot where they got guys like Dean Wade putting up minutes for them and Dean Wade is not no knock on him but Dean Wade's not going to be your future power forward, right? Like, they need someone new. They can have Terion Prince, too. He's not going to do it. The current one, whenever healthy, which is not a surefire bet, is Kevin Love. And Kevin Love, he's pretty much the last guy remaining from the LeBron James era. And, you know, the Cavs, they've made some moves this year. They got Delva Dova back. They brought Anderson Verishow in for, like, a couple of games um, I guess to, to get more ticket sales or something, but yeah, I mean, he's pretty much the last guy remaining and you almost have to give him minutes because he's very productive. He's on the team USA roster for a reason. He's been there. He's done that. He's very refined as a player. And I mean, he, he probably wants to be on a championship contender Cavaliers. They're not going to do that timeline. It's pretty obvious. They're not on the same spectrum whatsoever. Kevin Love probably needs, you know, a new destination. And for the Cavs, they probably want him gone too. And that would have happened a long time ago. But Kevin Love's contract is pretty damn nasty. And he's making $60 million over the next two seasons. So let's just say 30 mil a year. That hurts them. And you'd think maybe it wouldn't because a lot of the people they have are extremely young. The Jared Allens, the Sextons, the Garlands. But... Whenever they start getting the contract extension talks, that $60 million from Kevin Love is going to look like $600 million. It is a huge, huge amount of money just sitting there, and it's kind of dead weight for them right now. They need him out if they want to keep progressing in terms of a team. And I think the Thunder, you know, we're one of those unique franchises where right now, we're still looking to pick up those contracts if it means we can move up and get the guy that they are completely sold on. Look at what happened with Al Horford. You bring him in and you get a first round pick out. You get Kemba, might be able to trade him again. Just that cycle over and over. I think this would be kind of the granddaddy of them all if it works out here. But I think any move here for the Cavs does kind of have sense, not just on the financial side, but also like roster wise too, because yeah, I mean, they could get the mo, they could get Evan Mobley. Uh, if he's there, they need a power forward. He can slide down there. So it would make sense if it was Jalen green for some reason, um, you know, they'd have to pick between Garland Sexton 
it'd be a real discussion. I think the Thunder, they'd love to have Jalen Green. It'd make total sense, really, for either prospect out of those two. But a move here, you know, it could give them a little bit of breathing room because Jonathan Kaminga and Scotty Barnes, they do kind of fit what the Cavs have going on. And I'm going to say Scotty Barnes probably does a little bit better than Kuminga because Scotty Barnes is a bit bigger. He's got like a 7'3 wingspan. And as we know, he's very good defensively. Isaac Okoro, lockdown defender. They would be a perfect pairing at the three and the four. And yeah, Mobley would work. If you get a guard, it would just be very awkward because you'd have to run that three guard lineup and you need to patch up the uh, the power forward really before you get into any sort of talks here. But yeah, I mean, that's just the way I look at it. They need some production at the four and the Thunder. They can almost guarantee that by giving them that number six pick. But what they also can do, they got 18 first round picks, got a couple of nice players as well that they can throw in if need be. I don't know, though, if they're going to be getting Kevin Love because that is a very good service for them. I still think more picks need to be involved, though, for any sort of deal to kind of come about. So the mock trade that I have took me a little bit of time because I didn't know if it was an underpay. Like, if you're going to get to three, I feel like the Thunder might need more picks than what I have, but this is more of a baseline. I'll probably change it uh, when I do my mock draft, including picks, but... The deal I had is the Thunder, they're going to be getting the third pick, and they're also going to be getting Kevin Love off the Cavaliers, and the Cavaliers are going to be getting pick 6, 16, and a 2023 second round pick from the Washington Wizards. And the big thing here is OKC, they're going to move up and get their guy at number 3. Whoever it may be, they're going to go up and get him, and the Cavs, they're going to go and get whatever pairing they want of Barnes or Kuminga, whoever's left. And the real icing, not just because they offload love, is that number 16 pick because the Cleveland Cavaliers, they have a good base right now. The starting five is good, but beyond that, there is a little bit of trouble. And I'm specifically talking about at the point guard spot. Like they don't need a, they don't need a star at the point guard. They just need some reliable backup. And a Teo Maladone, for example, would fit perfectly. Even a Ty Jerome. I, I thought about him as well. But I think 16 works too because you still got the flexibility. And let's say they're sold on someone else in the mid-first. They don't necessarily have to go out and get a point guard. They're not locked into that. But currently, they don't have a point guard really. Matthew Delvadova, I'm sorry, man. I don't know if I want to count that. And they got Damian Dodson too. I played against him on 2K. Actually, I played on his team. It was 2K18, so I couldn't talk to him because uh, of how, how dumb it was with, with game chat. But yeah, like Damian Dodson's a shooting guard. Dova Dova is a really old point guard. They need a not, they need a young, new prospect on the block. So Maladona, 20. Ty Jerome's 24, so happy birthday to him. I guess he fills it, but I mean, at 16, you're going to be looking at AO. You're going to be looking at maybe a Josh Giddy if you were to fall down from there. Sharif Cooper, for example. You can just kind of pick and choose at some of those prospects that are stuck around that range because there is truthfully a lot of them. I couldn't, couldn't really get all of them out in word form to you, if I'm going to be honest, but. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot, and there's a lot of potential that some of those guys could slide down. 
in this draft class. And so they get the gym there. In 2023, that Washington pick is more that throw-in. If they want a bit more of an enhancer, I guess you could say you could try to throw in pick 36. Now, that is a very valuable pick, uh, at least in my eyes. Like, you know, it's all in the eyes of the beholder. But if they need more picks, which they do, they need more young guys, that also, I think, would be a suitable replacement. And that actually probably be a way more of a valuable asset than the Washington pick that you're going to have right there. But that's the way I see it. Thunder, they don't need to move off of Jerome. No Maladon. If one of them would be involved in one, it'd make perfect sense because the Cavs need a point guard. But yeah, that's it. Pick three, Kevin Love. And then you're moving out six, 16, and a 2023 second round pick courtesy of the Washington Wizards. But now you move down to pick number four, with the Toronto Raptors and they got picks four and then they got this gigantic gap their next pick is at pick 46 and they go back to back because they have another one at pick 47 and the Raptors they're just a weird team because I mean two years ago they're lifting the Larry O'Brien Kawhi leaves and now you're in reconstruction mode and it's very it's a very weird one too because Kyle Lowry should have been gone at the trade deadline, it didn't happen. He's going to be a free agent this offseason, but the current team doesn't really project as one that's going to fall to number four again. Like they got lucky, they had the seventh best odds, you know, jumped up three spots, but I still think they would be almost a play in team, even if Kyle Lowry exits the door. And I don't know where the Raptors would want to go here because I mentioned it on the pod. There's a team in the Golden State Warriors, they got the 7th pick, they got the 14th pick, and they also have the second second overall pick from last year in James Wiseman. They want to make a championship run. There's Pascal Siakam right there. If they want to try to make a deal with Wiseman, pick 7, I don't know if 14 will need to be thrown in, but if they can make a move to where the Raptors get Wiseman, they get an extra lottery pick, and they got 5 and 7... I could see them just hitting the rebuild button. They destroy everything. Trent Jr.'s gone. OG Ananobi, I guess he might stay. But a Boucher, just everyone's taking the door out. Fred Van Vliet, say goodbye. They're going to try to do what the Orlando Magic did. Or Orlando Magic did. Maybe even what we did. I don't know. But they can do that. But the alternate route of just standing pat, you know, they're not going to get a championship, but they'd still be right around the cusp of a playoff berth because they have right now they got Kyle Lowry which we don't know so I'll I'll take him off but they got Fred Van Vliet they got Gary Trent Jr. OG Ananobi is very good Siakam and Boucher flip him in four you know the four through five spot you still have a very strong starting five and off the bench it's not as amazing they got Kem Birch off a steel deal think they'll need him back um they'll probably get him back in free agency and then they got guys like Malachi Flynn as well so they're not terrible as a team they need a couple more pieces and the Thunder they could definitely supply that but the one real stipulation number one if they rebuild the Toronto Raptors are just as locked up as the Houston Rockets are they probably don't want to even discuss anything but number two if Lowry's gone, and I think he's already 35, so he's pretty old, maybe they're not 
sold on Fred Van Vliet as the lone point guard because Trent Jr., as a shooting guard, he's not really like a ball handler. He's just a shot creator. If they want another ball handler, Jalen Suggs likely will be the last remaining of that top four. So they can take Jalen Suggs and they're going to be set. They're going to be set not just for what they're currently doing if they want to push for the playoffs, but in the future, you're going to have Suggs developing alongside this roster. So they could have that kind of formidable next five years if they want Jalen Suggs. But if everything kind of goes right in the Thunder's favor, everyone stays and maybe they don't like Suggs, then they can strike in with some sort of deal. And if Oklahoma City makes a deal, here's kind of how I see it playing out. You obviously get number four, but you're also going to get pick number 46 in this draft. And for the Raptors, they're going to get pick six, pick 16, pick 36, and also Kenrich Williams. And when you check that from the last trade I did, maybe you see the value is not as good uh, for the Cavs one as opposed to this. And that's the thing I kind of need to work towards. Um, I think that Kevin Love deal is so kind of bad right now that I think the exchange of just a Washington pick, I mean, that might be decent value as opposed to 36 and Kenrich Williams because 36 and Kenrich Williams, that's a decent haul. If you're bringing on Kevin Love, you're probably not getting access to all that stuff in one. So that's how I did it. If you don't got any bad contracts going in, I think 36 and Kenrich Williams is completely fine. Now for me, when I look at a deal like this, this is like a Jalen Suggs trade. And I'm not totally in love with Jalen Suggs right now. I think as a passer, he's going to be very good at the next level. I don't know about off the ball though. And you need someone off the ball to play with SGA. I don't know. I think Teo Maladone might be a better off the ball player than him, um, truthfully. But yeah, he need to improve. Anyways, though, if Sam Presti loves him to death and they make this, I'm not going to be heartbroken about it because you get a point guard, you get a sidekick next to SGA, and really, you're not giving up much at all. 16, you still got 18. 36, you still got 34 in this draft. And maybe you want to swap it out a bit, but yeah, you still have three picks, three very high picks um in the draft if you want to cut it like this so i would not be all that mad so you get Suggs, they end up getting a scotty barnes or kuminga whoever they get probably be like that six man off the bench who would fill in with ananobi or siakam fairly well doesn't really matter the situation they just be beneficial to the team but then at 16 that's another luxury pick like the Cavs have where you can take a point guard because they do just have Malachi Flynn off the bench. If you want to go another route, you still can go that route. But also, at pick 36, you can still try to swing for another prospect. You know, they gave up 46, so they improved 10 selections there. That's a very big jump uh, relative to what the board may look like at 46 because this is a deep draft even in the second round, at least the way that I... I view things, but they get that, but they also get another wing piece in Kenridge Williams, and this is one of those moves where they'd almost be trying to go for a play-in or a playoff spot, because Kenridge, 
he is a championship contender's wet dream in terms of a contract because he's only making for the next two years four million dollars when we originally got him it was three years six million a little bit less of an asset now due to that but he shot like 43 44 percent from downtown we know he's kenny hustle for a reason he's going for every loose ball defensively two through four he's gonna put on the clamps and yeah i mean he can ping pong off of anybody on offense he can catch and shoot from three if he wants to go into the mid-range he can take you one-on-one and kind of cook up but he can also go down low and rebound so i think he's that perfect fit for toronto's bench and you also get barnes or kuminga that's perfect and you still got the two other assets that can kind of retool and make that second unit pretty damn good because they would have a lot of depth here if they were to pull off this trade and it's just to move down two spots and the other deal that i've seen before i know brandon rabar mentioned this on daily thunder but um it involves six and lou dort for number four and that could be seen as an overpay by some fans i might be of that party to be honest with you because as i said suggs I don't know. I mean, I think with Barnes or Kuminga, they're not going to be as kind of fitting with the current roster because you already have Poku. You got Darius Baisley. I'd probably go with Kuminga. But yeah, I think they need a guard. I don't know if I love Suggs as that guard, but you do it anyways. But on top of that, you lose out on one of your best players in Lou Dort. This is a guy who is on the cusp of all defensive level like he will clamp up anybody he's gonna take your number one option and shut you down for the rest of the game and on offense he's starting to grow as a slasher but also as a three-point shooter so he has a lot of different areas he can grow i think for the raptors they love him nick nurse coached him with team usa he's from montreal i believe he's from canada so he'd already be well loved without the the roster and he'd be the plug and play dude where you might want to start him i don't know where you maybe you give trent the boot or something but regardless he fills in with ananobi as well and so does the barnes or the kuminga that you want to bring in so that grouping probably would be better than the other package where you're throwing in williams who's good but he's not going to be a starter on a championship team Lou Dort can be that. Um, now, is he going to be the one dropping 25 a game? No. He'll be effective, though. So, that's the other route, you, the alternate route. That one has a lot more controversy, probably stirred to it. I think that's the trade where the Raptors would probably say yes, regardless. But with the other one, I could see them saying no. And I could see them saying no with the Cavs one as well. But it's more one of those wait and see approaches. We're going to get more news and rumors surrounding these top four as we approach the draft. We're also probably going to hear more from some of those later rounds, those later picks. And when I first wanted to do this episode, I was actually thinking a lot more broader than this. I wasn't thinking just top four. I was thinking, who's in the second? Who's in the late first that the Thunder could probably trade a role player off and get that pick? And I think there's a decent amount of them in this draft class. So I might end up making a podcast on that one. If not, I'll leave it on my website. You guys can check that one out uh, if you would like to. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at with things. 
everything's going to rapidly change. When we figure out what's going on between this Alex Roy tweet and Ryland Styles around these picks, I'm assuming that's what it's on. Um, yeah, there's probably going to be another another podcast episode on the way. But until that point, I'm just going to leave it at that. I thank you all for listening to this episode, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.